This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, it's Don LaGreca with the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I said we'd be back on Thursday, but I wanted to delay things 24 hours because things are just happening hot and heavy. So I figured I'd just kind of let it rest and, and see where we're going as we enter the draft tonight. To me, the draft is interesting only because of the amount of trades that could be made. This is not a draft, at least on the surface, that has that Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Mario Lemieux kind of feel to it. You know, we'll see what Owen Power turns out to be. He looks like he's the consensus number one pick from Buffalo. We'll have another Quinn in the NHL, could drop the four uh, for the Devils. But a lot of the, what's, uh, the reason I'm interested in watching tonight is because I want to see all these deals that we didn't see at the expansion draft. So well, let's start with that. A bunch of things to discuss there, and we're going to hear from you at at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct later on in the podcast. All right, there's a lot of heavy criticism about ESPN's coverage of the expansion draft. Why is Chris Fowler there? Was he trolling? Listen, Chris Fowler is a talent. I thought everybody did a great job. Fowler made it lighthearted and fun. That's a very difficult program to do. Okay, first of all, it's live in front of you know thousands of, of Seattle Kraken fans. These are not household names that are being announced, but I thought ESPN did a fun job getting different uh, Seattle celebrities involved in it, making the picks, you know, having Sue Bird there, Marshawn Lynch there. They created some viral moments and a thing that's really kind of tedious and boring. You know, this is not that exciting. It's exciting for Seattle fans. It's exciting for maybe fans that are losing players. But let's face it, we 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 started watching that broadcast at 8 o'clock Eastern time, and we knew all the players that were going to be selected. And yet the number was good. It actually had, had like 600, a little less than 700,000 viewers, which is not bad considering everybody knew the picks. It actually beat the baseball game on ESPN, and that's the power of ESPN, right? That's why you want to be on ESPN, because it wouldn't have done that number on NBC Sports. That certainly wouldn't have done that number on the NHL Network. ESPN, especially ESPN2, those are destinations for sports fans. People stumble upon those the, the programming because of that. It's part of your, your surf viewing where you're flipping around and you'll go to those channels and you'll see it. And it was kind of intriguing. A lot of different fan bases wanted to see the vibe in Seattle. Aesthetically pleasing. They did some nice things. I thought Dominic Moore uh, did a great job. So did Kevin Weeks. And, you know, you can make fun of the broadcast. ESPN doesn't care about hockey, all that. Listen, I'm on ESPN, full disclosure, and I will be critical of them when I feel like they should be critical. But it was was okay. It It was a nice broadcast for what it is. And the number was good because you can see the power of ESPN. And I wouldn't be surprised if the draft does a pretty decent number in relation to other draft broadcasts just because of the amount of trades we may see tonight and the fact that it's going to be on the ESPN family of networks on ESPN2 beginning at 8 o'clock Eastern time. So I'm really looking forward to the draft tonight. But the expansion draft it didn't have any real surprises. I thought maybe early in the day before all of the Reports started to trickle down that maybe Seattle would make a splash and take uh, Carey Price just so that they can be competitive, but they decided to go in a bit of a different direction. And Ron Francis admitted that I think a lot of general managers around the NHL got an education from 2017 in the Vegas deal where they really supplied a lot of picks and prospects from Vegas to protect players. And it's just better off to just let the players go rather than letting Seattle, like Vegas did, be able to put together a complete stockpile for their future. So I think that's something that uh, the general managers 
learn from, but I thought they went and got some, you know, decent players and 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 listen, it's not an earth-shattering roster, but it's easy to look back at Vegas and go, "Oh, they got Marsha Show, they got they got Flurry, they got Carlson." Remember, Flurry was hurt that first year. Nobody thought Carlson was going to be that good. Nobody thought Tuck was going to be that good. Nobody thought Marsha Show was going to be that good. So maybe when we look back, maybe Tanif has just an unbelievable year, right? And we'll say, wow, look how great the Seattle Kraken are. So it's so easy in retrospect to say, boy, this is a boring uh, list of 30 players that they gathered, not as exciting as Vegas. Well, we're looking back at how great those players and how much they overachieved or maybe underachieved in their other organizations. And now you look and say how sexy the expansion draft was for Vegas. Well, that's revisionist history because of the way those guys came together and have played over the last four years. So let's see what happens with Seattle. Plus, Seattle's not done. They're going to be making deals. There's a lot of things that are going to happen where that roster is going to have some major turnover before they drop the puck against the Vegas Golden Knights on October 12th. So I wouldn't get that crazy in evaluating their roster. And listen, the ceiling is really high. Uh, They're not going to go to the Stanley Cup final their first year. Vegas did it. It was a shock. I think Seattle's going to be competitive. That's a wide-open division. Um, So we'll see. But I got to tell you, I just don't think that they're going to be as good. And I I think they know that. And I think they're comfortable with that. They just want to make sure that they can get to be uh, sustained, uh, quality for a long, long time. And once they can do that, they can establish the fan base and all that. But everything looks like it's pretty good for the crack. And I love the name. I love the uniforms. And we've got a schedule now. We know they're going to open up against Vegas. And I'll get into the whole schedule deeper a little bit later on in the podcast. But, you know, now we know who they're going to play in their inaugural game. And I'm looking forward to Vegas and Seattle coming up on October 12th. Okay, some of the deals that were made. Novelkovich is something that has everybody freaking out over that deal between the Hurricanes and the Red Wings, okay? Novelkovich had a tremendous rookie season. He was a finalist for the Calder Trophy. He's not asking for a lot of money. And he got the money that he needed from Detroit. Now, the question is, why didn't Carolina want to go there? So all the speculation is Steve Eisman fleeced on Waddell, uh, Carolina's cheap, you know, Carolina, whatever. You know, all those theories can be true. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is they didn't think that Novelkovich is somebody that they feel like they can build around and want to give a contract to. That's it. I don't think it's about being cheap. It's just they probably looked at him and said, we can do better. So let's see what they end up doing. Clearly, they don't have a goaltender under contract, including Bernier, who get, they got in a deal from Detroit. So it's not like they believe in somebody else on their roster. They're going to make a deal, and they're going to bring in a goaltender. So they should be evaluated. That trade should be evaluated based on who their goaltender is coming up next year. And Carolina is a contender. So for them to feel like they're a contender... One of the guys that got them into the playoffs and played so well for them is not re-upped for what I thought was a reasonable contract tells me that they didn't believe in him. And they have another option that we don't know yet that they're going to bring in, whether it's Jonathan Quick or, or something we're not thinking of. So before we bash Carolina, and believe me, I'll get in line to bash him with the best of them. You know, I'm not a Dundon fan based on what he has done with their broadcasting over the last couple of years with Chuck Caton and John Forslund. And there is aspects of the Carolina Hurricanes that are cheap. But in this situation, I look at it as they think they can do better or they don't believe in the Delkovich the way that Detroit does. We will wait and see how that happens. 
The salary cap makes for very strange bedfellows and very strange deals. The Gosta Spare deal to Arizona is crazy. When you consider the fact, just like what the Islanders did with Andrew Ladd, that you can trade a player and picks and get nothing in return. Because the thing that you get in return is cap space. So it's just odd when I see Arizona tweeting out about a deal they made and they can actually see the deal and say, we've just got Shane Goss to spare. We just got a second-round pick. We just got a seventh-round pick. And there, and the other column of what you had to give up is empty because you didn't have to give anything up. <coughs> so it's weird, but that's the imagination, the creativity that comes with some of these general managers making a deal because cap space is like a great player. When you can create cap space, you put yourself in a tremendous situation. And the Islanders were able to give up Ladd for nothing. They didn't want anything back. The cap space is what matters. So the 15-plus that they were able to gain in cap space matters. That's why there's serious rumors that they're going to gobble up both Parisi and Suter. And how great would that be? Parisi's a winner. Suter solidifies the blue line and the loss of Letty. That would be great and won't cost a lot because they were bought out by Minnesota. So you can both get them on the cheap, and then you still have cap space to be able to make a major deal. And everybody's trying to make room for Eichel, right? So I don't know. Eichel can't play on multiple teams. He can only play for one. But everybody wants to be able to be involved in it. And the first thing you have to do is create the cap space to get involved. So that's what the Islanders have done. That's what Philadelphia has done. As far as Shane Gostaspar is concerned, I don't know what happened. When he first came into the league, he, he was really just a godsend for them. He had a great shot from the blue line, great quarterback on the power play. And remember, he was waived last year. So they don't feel like they're giving up a lot. They've made some deals to strengthen the blue line anyway. The one thing about Philadelphia is they're very deep on the blue line, so that made Goss Despair expendable. They free up some money. They did have to give up some picks. But, you know, remember, Philadelphia was a disappointment last year. Many believed, after going to the playoffs the year before, that they were going to be a team that could make a run. They still believe that. You know, Elaine Vigneault's their coach. You don't hire Elaine Vigneault to rebuild a team. You hire Elaine Vigneault to accentuate what you think can be a team that can compete for a championship. And I think Hart will be better next year. So uh, Philadelphia believes they can be a contender. And Gostaspare certainly became uh, expendable in the draft picks. If you believe you're a contender, you know, or about the future. And they seem to be more of a team that's about now. So many rumors surrounding Pavel Bushnevich. I think he's gone. I've done the math. Other people have done the math. When you consider what the Rangers have to do with the guys that are already under contract, what they're going to have to do with the guys that are not under contract, that are restricted free agents, and what they need, they don't have a lot of cap space. And when, they, when you work all that out and what they're going to have to give the, uh, the RFAs, the UFAs, and what they're going to end up having to do with the draft picks – and the eventual contracts they're going to have to give to Kako and Lafreniere as they start to get older and get out of their rookie deals, you're going to have to um, have the space, and I just don't see where Bushnevich kind of fits into all that cap space. So I would see possibly Bushnevich being dealt. Uh, if you're a Ranger fan, you might be a little sad to see Brendan Smith go. I think he was a really good defenseman for them in the sense that he was a leader with a bunch of young kids after Mark Stoll went to Detroit. They needed a leader. He, he, he did that for them. He's now gone. So um, they will lose that leadership, but they are so deep at defense, you don't really mind 
losing a body, but you do mind losing somebody that was a lot of fun to watch, a good guy. He's eventually going to be a broadcaster in this business, no question, but uh, he ends up leaving. So a lot of things swirling around the New York Rangers and what they're going to do. Kind of sad news out of Montreal. It looks like Shea Weber could be done. He's not going to play next year. Uh, General Manager Mark Bergevin says that he's dealing with a multitude of injuries. And when you consider his age and considering missing a season, certainly retirement is on the table for him. And boy, what what a fun player to watch. What a good player. Captain of the Montreal Canadiens, but you know didn't get a chance to play in a lot of games in his tenure with Montreal. I'm glad he at least got to participate in that Stanley Cup final run that they had this past season. But uh, certainly that was kind of a gut punch to just hear, just from a personal level, because he's such a great guy, such a good player for the game, and you'd hate to see a career come to an end uh, like that. All right, um, like I said, with the schedule of being out, that was major news. I love it because I can kind of plan my season around it, but can I? Because the elephant in the room with the schedule announcement is, this schedule is assuming that the players are going to go to the Olympics. Now, we've discussed that before, and I'm not a fan, but it's just interesting because that's a that's an olive branch to the players. Hey, the, the schedule we announced is one in which we are going to allow you go to the Olympics, but that still all has to get worked out. If it doesn't, then that means that the schedule is going to have to now be rearranged. They said they'll do everything they can to try to keep it similar to the original schedule that was announced, but how do you do that? when you've got to fill in 16 empty days. Now, I guess the hope is going to be that they can keep uh, the schedule up until the All-Star break intact and then kind of trickle everything down through those 16 games and just end the season a little earlier so it won't be that crazy. But some of the excitement and some of the fun of the schedule announcement to me had a little cold water dumped on it just because it's not really technically official and certainly subject to change depending on what happens with the negotiations. And I think what's happening on both sides here is everybody's going to take a look and see what happens this summer. The Olympics, uh, the opening ceremonies are tonight. The Olympics will get officially underway this weekend, although there's been some events that have already taken place over the last week. There'll be no fans. Only 23% of the population in Japan is vaccinated. There are protests outside all the buildings on how these Olympics shouldn't happen. There's already been some players, including some basketball players for Team USA, that have had to withdraw because of a positive test. So I think everybody's kind of just looked back and see, all right, let's see how this goes. Because there's still insurance that has to be dealt with with these NHL teams if players are to contract the virus or get sick while they're away at the Olympics in Beijing. So I think everybody's going to take a wait-and-see attitude with this, see how the summer goes. But the scary thing is, summer's different than the winter. Just the, just the way that the virus can be contracted. We saw last summer, everything seemed to be back to normal because it wasn't spreading as much because people were outside. And the virus doesn't spread in heat as, as easily as it does in the cold, according to some circles. So, yeah, everything went down in the summertime, and that was without people being vaccinated last year, if you remember. It went, it still went down and then spiked back up in the fall and the winter. So even if everything goes okay this summer, how much of that is, well, less about the vaccination and more about that it doesn't really transmit as easily in 100-degree weather like it is in Japan this week 
as opposed to in the wintertime when they're going to be playing in February. So I'm not even sure that you can relate it apples to apples, but I still think they'll look at it and then kind of project it out where if there are problems in the Summer Olympics in Tokyo, that almost guarantees there'll be problems, major problems with these players having to go there in February. If everything goes off without a hitch, then maybe they can kind of think, all right, more people will be vaccinated by the time we get to February. Certainly all of our players will be in a position to be vaccinated because that's what it really comes down to, right? We could talk about what it does for ratings and growth of the game and all that. But right now, there's got to be legitimate concerns on both sides, the owners and the players association. Are these players safe? Because we're able to keep an eye on them and kind of practice all the things we need to to keep them safe when they're here in North America. But going off to a foreign country, you know, where maybe we won't have our our sights on them, that could cause a major problem. At least the NHL wants some assurance that if they end up losing a player, because he tests positive or, God forbid, gets really sick and can't play, all right, what what do we get back in return? Because our season could be totally destroyed. I mean, just for sake of argument, you know, if Ovechkin goes representing Russia and then he can't play in the second half of the season because he gets COVID and gets sick, well, the Washington Capitals are going to want some assurance that some money comes back their way, that one of their, if not best players, aren't available because of that. So all that's going to get itself worked out. It'll probably get worked out where they will go, and then and the schedule that was released will be the one that we're going to have to deal with. But there's still a possibility that it may not. So we're going to have to wait and see on that. So we've got the draft on the table. We've got all the possible trades tonight. Um, ESPN 2 will be the coverage at 8 o'clock. Our friend John Butchergrass will be the one that will be running point on that. So let's get to your tweets. A lot of people want to talk about their favorite teams here as we close out the week. So let's start it off with Sam Diaz who says... With Brendan Smith apparently not being re-signed, do you think the Rangers' defense is okay as presently constituted, or should they try to add another veteran defenseman? They're going to try to add another veteran defenseman. Giordano is still a possibility. There was a lot of speculation going into the draft that he was going to be selected by the Kraken, and then they might make a deal, Ryan Strom possibly going there and then bringing in Giordano the fact that Giordano was in Seattle and wearing the jersey makes me think and a lot of other people think that he will not be dealt away but they will be in the market for a veteran defenseman not so much to replace Smith but um, they were probably in the market for that anyway already anticipating that Smith was going to go via free agency David says besides personal bias they didn't take Tyler Johnson. I thought the Kraken put together a respectable roster despite the internet mocking the picks and saying they will tank. I feel like they're going to make some kind of splash free agents as a result. I, I think they'll be aggressive because they were going to have a tremendous amount of cap space. Tyler Johnson is still a very good possibility. Uh, Yanni Gord was the player selected by Seattle from Tampa, but I still think Tyler Johnson's going to end up in Seattle at some point during the course of the season. Donnell says, What up, Don? If uh, you watch the expansion draft on Wednesday night on ESPN2, everyone said that expansion draft was boring. What are your thoughts on it? And also, how would you like the Kraken's home... How did you like the Kraken's home and road jerseys debut? I like them. I like that kind of teal color. I love the logo. I love the name. So I'm a big fan of the uniforms, and we'll see how they look on the ice. It's an expansion draft. I mean, I don't know how you really dress it up. You know, there there weren't any real big names. Like I said, Carey Price would have been a big name, like Marc-Andre Fleury was for Vegas. 
But remember, these are unprotected players, some of them for salary reasons and some of them because they were expendable from other organizations. So I don't know how sexy the expansion draft is. I thought having Fowler involved in it, hockey fans are very protective of their sport. So they're usually a little dubious when somebody is running point that isn't known as a hockey guy. But I thought he had some fun with it, kind of made fun of some of the players and the teams and all that. Yeah, he made his mistakes. He said Carolina Panthers. A lot of people can do that. You know, he's a football guy, but that doesn't mean he doesn't like hockey or respect hockey. He flew, out, flew all the way out to uh, to Seattle to do it. So there's always that feeling like, oh, ESPN again, throwing non-hockey people in there. You know, uh, who drew the shortest straw? No, I, I just think that they, you know, he's a talent. He's a name. You want to get some eyeballs there and... And I thought he did a pretty decent job. It is what it is. Again, like I said, it's the expansion draft. It's not It's not Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. B says, who would win a series? The 15-16, 16-17 uh, Penguins or the 2021 Bolts? I think you've asked this question before, and I went with the Penguins. So I'll get to your other tweet where you said, um, who would fit better on the Islanders, Parisi, Suter, or Landeskog? Well... Listen, obviously Landeskog, because that's exactly what the Islanders are missing, a dynamic scorer. You know, they already lost Eberle in the expansion draft, who was one of their better offensive players. They are getting Lee back, but, you know, Landeskog, obviously with the better pick. Now, but obviously that messes with your salary cap, and certainly that's a long-term commitment. So Parisi and Suter may actually be the more logical way to go, but no question that Landeskog would fit, I think, perfectly with the Islanders. Uh, Haywood says, will you and the, the Michael K show do a podcast recording of game misconduct and do a broadcast from the new home of the Islanders later this year? Great question. I don't, again, uh, remotes, I gotta be honest with you. Remotes don't really do a lot for broadcasts. Usually most of the, most, I'll, I'll be straightforward with you. Most of the remotes um, come from you know receiving money to do the remote. So I don't think the Islanders are going to pay us to go out there. Uh, it's very difficult sometimes with everybody's schedule of getting everybody out there. I'd love it. I can't wait to do a game there. Um, very interesting with the schedule, though. Their home opener is November 20th. They're going to have the first 13 games of the season are going to be on the road. The second longest road trip for any team is the Rangers with nine. So they're going to play four more games on the road more than any other team in the NHL for one collective road trip. This kind of reminds me a few years ago. I guess it was 2015. I'm trying to remember when the uh, Rangers had to start on the West Coast because the refurbishing of, um, or reimagining, I should say, of Madison Square Garden was not done yet. But this is going to be a long trip. You just hope it just doesn't derail their season to the point where it really costs them points early on in the season. But they'll get a lot of home games in the second half, but they're going to have to wait until November 20th against Calgary to know the new building. If I had to guess, the only way there will be a remote from there is if I'm doing an Islander game during the week and then I'm there, but I don't think there'll be anything. But but there's a very good chance that a podcast could certainly be there. Pablo says, I think choosing Dunn was much better than choosing Tarasenko, but I think I was the only one in the universe who thought so. What do you think, Don? Tarasenko is coming off a major surgery and may not be available for a bulk of this upcoming season. So that's probably why it went with Dunn. There's contract deal. There's a lot that comes with Tarasenko. Who's the better player? Tarasenko. But when you're trying to build a team and fit 
To me, I think Dunn was just a better pick for them. But Tarasenko is still somebody that you know can get dealt, could end up in Seattle too. So I wouldn't get too crazy on who is taken, but there's a lot of question marks around Tarasenko for sure. Ron says, another one if you have time, Don. What is Seattle trying to do? Tank? They took a lot of mediocre prospects and no compensation for any other teams. Even this free agent class isn't great, so how will they be competitive if that's what they are trying to do? Again, this is an unfinished product. What happened with Vegas you knew was not going to happen again. Ron Francis admitted it during the broadcast. Vegas was able to do a lot of things to build immediately that general managers right now are just not going to have the appetite to do. I would be shocked if this is the roster they go with on opening day. There's going to be deals. There's going to be free agent signings. This is just the building blocks of it. So I would not get crazy and say they're tanking. Because, again, what are you tanking for? See, everybody everybody wants to throw out tanking for picks. I am not a draft Nick where I'm going to be able to tell you who's the next great prospect out there. Who's the next Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky. And Seattle wants to be competitive because eventually it's going to wear thin not being competitive on the ice and losing games. So this team is going to want to be competitive. And this is going to be an attractive place for free agents to go. Free agents do not want to go to a place that they're going to say, oh, we're going to be tanking for a few years and we try to build some super team. It's not the way it works. They're going to want to be competitive. But do not look at this roster as a finished product. And do not look at opening day either as a finished product. There's a lot of deals that can certainly be made. There was a lot of turnover in the uh, in the Vegas roster after even they go into the Stanley Cup final with different players that they brought in that were a part of the run. You know, with, with Petrangelo and, and uh, Max Pacioretty, just to name a couple from this year. So I would not get too crazy and start to think that this is a team that's in, in, in tank mode. Steven says, do you think Seattle will use their abundance amount of cap space and free agency for young talent or a veteran? Well, they'll probably have both. They'll, they'll, they will be in play for a, lot of, um, for a lot of players out there. So again, certainly not a finished product at all. Tommy P says, could you see Seattle offer sheeting someone that uh, with all that cap space or are offer sheets still considered taboo between NHL general managers. Just imagine the chaos that were that they were to offer someone like Kyle, uh, Kale McCarr $9 million. It, it's, it's not so much taboo anymore. It's just that it's not good business with the, with the compensation for it. So I, no, I don't think they're going to probably be going in that direction. The other piece of news was Gaudreau signing a very lucrative six-year contract with the New York Rangers. Jimmy says, with the Rangers signing Gaudreau for six years, does this give them the toughness and grit they need, or do you still believe some scrappy player needs to be added? Well, bringing back Rooney and just having a little bit of a different style of play, this certainly contributes to it. I don't know how much more they really can do, honestly, with the cap space of trying to make sure that they can bring you know, Zabanajad back and what they're going to do with all the defensemen. I think it's enough. Now, he's a third-line player, but they want to be able to roll four lines, and it's a guy that's won a cup. He can play with some toughness. He could score some big goals, had scored some big goals in his NHL career. I like the deal. It's a lot of money, 
but you put yourself in a situation where you traded for his rights, you really wanted him, and listen, you just let go of basically your entire organization, your general manager, your president, your head coach, because you thought your team lacked toughness, and then you're going to penny pinch for a guy that you traded for the rights for? So that kind of put Gaudreau and his people in a pretty good spot to be able to get a good contract. I think he's going to be a heck of a player uh, for this team, so I wouldn't be overly concerned about the money that they gave him. I think they're going to be able to make all of that work. Fabio says, what are your uh, trade expectations going into the draft? Do you see any notable names getting moved on the floor tonight? Bob McKenzie said something very interesting. Um, He's retired and not working the draft for the first time in forever tonight. But he said... Don't listen to any of the deals you hear leading up to the draft until you get to a couple of hours before the draft. Those are the legitimate um, trade rumors because so much gets thrown around. Every indication is going to be a very active night. And I think you're going to see a lot of movement because there's parity in this league. There's a there's a major free agent that people want to try to make room for. There's guys like Ovechkin and and uh, Tarasenko and Landeskog that are out there in, in contracts and trying to fit guys in. There's just so many names. Now, does it all happen tonight? You know, you, you like to you like think so, you like to hope so, but it doesn't all have to happen tonight. But I will say this, there's more of a chance for it to happen tonight than if the draft was typically in June because you would have so much time before the season starts. If everything goes without a problem... You know, we're talking about October 12th. We're talking less than three months that the season starts. We're two months away from camps opening. So there isn't a lot of time here to mess around. You, you're going to draft your players tonight, but this is where all the general managers are going to be around. They're going to take a quick vacation because they've had such a busy couple of years here. Remember, they didn't have the offseason last year that they had this in years past. They're not going to have the offseason this year that they also have had in years past. So they got to get everything done in a short period of time. So... Maybe I'm just wishful thinking, but I would think that you're going to see a lot of deals tonight just because the clock is ticking. The season's beginning. It's going to start. And who is going to be the team that's going to finally take the Tampa Bay Lightning off their perch and win a Stanley Cup? Because a lot of teams feel like they can be in a really good position to do that. And what's happened over the last couple of days are the major step towards that. All right, so since there's so many things that can happen this weekend, we'll be back with you again on Monday. And we will assess whether the draft was a dud or whether it ended up being one of the great weekends in NHL history. I'm hoping, certainly, for the latter. If you want to get in touch with me, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct is the way to do that. We will talk to you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.